Welcome back to the Canes Country Podcast. We have a lot of actual hockey news to talk about this week. It's very exciting. Things are happening very, very fast. My name is Brett Finger, and I'm joined by Andrew Schnicker and Ryan Hankel. How are you guys doing today? Great. Doing pretty good. Hockey's uh, finally coming back. Yeah. So, I, I mean, let's just uh, get right into it. Uh, the NHL return to play plan uh, has been more or less laid out for everyone. Uh, Pierre Lebrun's been kind of at the forefront of the reporting on the division alignment uh, that seems to kind of be in flux. But right now, they're playing on a re- uh, start for the regular season on January 13th. Training camps open on January 3rd, which means a 10-day training camp for teams that participated in the postseason last season. I believe they're getting an extra five days for the uh, teams that didn't qualify. Um, So there's that. Uh, Ten days for training camp. Uh, That seems seems slight. Yeah, I... I don't know how safe that, especially if it's only an extra five days. I mean, you're talking about you normally get a training camp of about a month under normal circumstances. And you and with this too, you're not going to have any, I don't think they're going to have any exhibition games. So you're talking about 10 days for teams, you know, that haven't played since the bubble to get reacclimated and 15 days for teams that have not played, will not have played a competitive game of hockey since Mar- early March of 2020, so, so 10 like months. 10 months off, which is more than you normally get, and you're going to get a shorter training camp. I mean, like, I get it. I get that they need to start as soon as possible now that they've kind of got this figured out and they need to get this season wrapped up. And next season, with Seattle coming into the league and with the NHL planning on returning to the Winter Olympics, needs to start on time, but... Uh, just, I don't feel great about that part of it. The short, that short of a training camp before the season starts up. Yeah. Very little of any of this feels great. Um, but it's a thing that's going to happen. So I, th- I think if you look at too, like the NFL, like the injuries, like the soft tissue injuries, especially were like up a lot than what we normally would see, I believe. And I think mm-hmm. a big thing is the short training camp. Uh, their bodies just haven't gotten used to like the impact they're living and that's I think that's the biggest worry is like those kind of injuries where the bodies haven't quite acclimated to the physicality of really what hockey and those kind of sports are I think is the biggest worry going into it yeah, yeah. And the NFL I believe did also did not play any preseason games no they did not um and with I mean it, we're it's really going to be about who, what, I mean, what teams and what players on what teams, what were they doing over the offseason? Um, there's a lot of variables because uh, if guys maybe weren't ramped up as much as others right now, obviously they're going to be in a pretty unfortunate position, not necessarily out of their own fault, obviously. But, um, yeah, 10 days for training camp feels kind of crazy and of course, there's going to be expanded rosters, so uh, that's another thing that will likely come into play with uh, people getting sick or people getting hurt. There's going to be expanded rosters as well. Um, 
a 56 game schedule appears to be what the uh, owners or or the return to play committee and the and the board of governors are kind of centered on it was like a 56 or 60 game or 50 game season uh but it appears to be 56 games other details are obviously pretty fluid right now with everything breaking out um but uh, maybe the biggest uh piece of news from all this is the realignment of the divisions for 2021 so pierre lebrun uh outlined the realigned divisions which are taking into account the American-Canadian border, um, creating an all-Canadian division um, to, to make that season for them playable. And then we're looking at three separate divisions in the United States. And it, it looks interesting because it appears as if the Carolina Hurricanes are going to be in a new division. So uh, LeBron reported that Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, both New York teams, Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington was going to be the quote-unquote metropolitan division, or I guess that would probably be like an Atlantic division uh, of sorts, and that would mean the Hurricanes would be moving into a quasi-central eastern division with the Blue Jackets, Red Wings, Blackhawks, Panthers, Wild Predators, Lightning, and then uh, Elliot Friedman reported that there might be a swap of Minnesota and Dallas to put Dallas in that division instead of Minnesota. Um, so that's a pretty, I mean, that's a that's a huge change from years past in, in the very tough metropolitan division. Um, thoughts on Carolina being in a what is essentially a central slash eastern division. There's a lot to look at. It's it's funny you look, especially with possibly Dallas now. It's weird to say that it's a big upgrade in terms of you know it being easier for the Hurricanes that you're going into a division with potentially both of the Stanley Cup finalists from this past year. But I think that just goes to show you how tough the Metropolitan Division is. I mean, if you look now, like. Minnesota for Dallas is a big change. That does change some. I think Dallas is a much better team, but even still, Dallas does this have is injuries, a very... Though. They're going to be without Sagan for a while. That's right. That is right. It's, it's, it just goes to show you how random this season is going to be. But, I mean, it, it it's a huge change. I mean, the only Metropolitan team you're bringing over is Columbus. I mean, you look at these teams, Tampa Bay is better than the Canes. If Dallas comes in, they're maybe better, but... If it stays as is right now, you pretty much expect the Canes to finish second behind Tampa Bay. And if Dallas comes in, you expect them to finish maybe second or third. But you look at it, too. I mean, there's a lot. There's some, you know, you can renew some cool geographics, Southeast Division rivalries with the Florida teams. I think we've all always wanted to see the Canes and Predators play more often. Um might be kind of diminished without fans. And two, though, even some of the bad teams in the Metropolitan in recent years, like the Devils and Rangers, are teams that the Hurricanes have struggled with. And you trade them in for worse bad teams, if that makes sense, with teams like Detroit and um, Chicago has not been anything to look at in recent years. Um, 
teams that the Hurricanes have done pretty well against. So, no, I mean, I, I think this alignment, if it stands, would be hugely favorable for the Hurricanes. Mm, right. Yeah, it's like, because if you look at the normal divisions, like the Metro, it's like Carolina got hot probably. is like they turned around their season and, you know, and have managed to make the playoffs now twice in a time where it's, it's really difficult because you obviously have, you know, the normal culprits, Pittsburgh and Washington, still being up there. Pittsburgh may be on the decline, but still good enough to make the playoffs. But then you have Philly turning around their season, becoming a, like a pseudo powerhouse. The Islanders with Barry Trotz have become a staple kind of in the running. The Rangers finished their rebuild almost instantly. And you're just wondering if the Devils are going to somehow turn it around. And Columbus has been in the running with Tortorella, keeping them afloat a lot of times. So you look at like that Metro division that they used to be a part of is like every team was good. There was no real just outlier bad team. The Devils last year were like that sort of team, but all the rest of them were just competitive. And so now you move them into a central division that seems a lot of teams that have been historically struggling. You have Chicago and Detroit who both finished well down there in the standings. Uh, it'd be interesting where Columbus will be. Uh, Florida hasn't, you know, had a lot of luck. Minnesota was bit down on the downward trend. Nashville's been on a downward trend. And it was really just Tampa Bay you look at. It. And, you know, you'll take that. You'll take one powerhouse, Tampa Bay, as opposed to, you know, Pittsburgh, Philly, uh, Washington, Boston, you know, you don't want to play like those kind of guys eight times or however many they're proposing you'll play in division. So I think this, like for the Canes, it's a blessing for once to be in a division where it seems like they'll have competition that is a step below maybe what they're generally used to having to compete with. Well, if it's, I get, cause I guess you're right. Cause I guess it is if, if you're looking at like, because obviously the Canadian division can't play against anybody else, so the other divisions, are you just playing each team in your division? I guess for the Canes, there's seven other teams. Are you just playing those seven other teams like eight times each? Uh, I feel like that's what was pretty much reported, right? Yeah. So you're play, you're looking at playing. I mean, like, maybe they're a little better. Than, but, like, you're looking at playing the Detroit Red Wings eight times. I mean, that's... Yeah. Which imagine saying six, seven years ago that you would be ecstatic to be playing the Detroit Red Wings eight times. Or the Chicago Blackhawks. That too. Or Nashville, even really. Um, Yeah. Times change. Yeah, that Western Conference fell apart real quick. Um, Yeah, so it's, it's pretty crazy. And the Hurricanes last season against the outline divisions by LeBron went 12-5-1 against the likes of Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, Tampa. Obviously, if Minnesota gets swapped out for Dallas, uh, that's slightly worse because they went, I think the Hurricanes went 2-0 and against Minnesota. Yeah, because Ajo got a hat-trick in the home game, and then they, uh, I think it was Svechnikov won the overtime game in Minnesota. Yep. So and, uh, yeah. So, not on a lacrosse goal. Nope, it was, <laughs> it was a shot um, down the right side, I believe. It was in circle. Dougie Hamilton uh, got the assist, uh, cross zone pass through the neutral zone. Anyway, um, so yeah, there's there's obviously a lot of things could still change over the next uh, next couple weeks. Obviously, something or many things probably will change. 
and uh, we will we will talk about it when it happens. But there's a lot of a lot of changes coming for the Hurricanes this upcoming season. Uh, on top of the fact that it's a very different season in general, even without all the division changes and all that. So, speaking of differences and potentially difference makers, uh, there is an interesting rumor that was floated out a, a, now at this point, probably a week ago by Andy Strickland of Fox Sports Midwest. And he said that Carolina and Columbus were among the top suitors for still free agent Mikhail Granlund, obviously a former Nashville Predator. Uh, over the past couple of years, he was a 20-goal uh, scorer, 20-plus goal scorer in each of his last two years in Minnesota before getting traded in 2018-19. Um, what makes this isn't what makes this interesting is we know the kind of the influx nature of guys like Ryan Dezingle and, you know, Niederreiter. Uh, we don't really know what's going to happen and how they're going to perform this year after both having down seasons. Um, obviously the hurricanes have roughly a million dollars in, in cap space right now. So they're going to need a shed cap to bring on a guy like Randland. Um, but maybe he can be had for cheap. I mean, he's still available at this point in the offseason. Um, thoughts on Mike Mikhail Granlund? I mean, that would be a pretty interesting get. I think Granlund would be like a great player to have. He's a our, he's a top six player on arguably most teams. To have seventeen goals on the Predators, I mean. Yeah. I mean, not to, yeah. yeah I was yeah. gonna say not to bag on him, but offense does go to die in Nashville. You're, <laughs> you're Roman, Roman Yossi is your leading point getter every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, Granlund is just a player. He was so good in Minnesota for all those years, and then Paul Fenn traded him for Kevin Fiala, and now Kevin Fiala looks like the top forward in Minnesota. Granlund has not his, you know, hasn't reached the full potential he kind of felt like he had. In, um, you know, where he had in um, Minnesota. Oh, geez, Minnesota, where he is with Nashville currently. But I still think he's like that kind of player who put someone in like the Hurricanes, you give him dynamic players around him, plays on like a finished top line of Ajo and Teravainen. You have just so much playmate potential there. You move him down to a second line of Trocek Natus. I mean, it's just you cement a, a really good top six for the Hurricanes. But again, the question is. How in the hell do they come up with money for him? It's because he was making, I think, about $5 million yep. last year. Yep. So I couldn't see that number coming down, you know, 80% of his salary cut. <laughs> no, I don't but, think he's going to sign for a mill. <laughs> but I think it, it goes to show that the Canes have probably been taking calls on other players. So, like, they've probably been keeping the phones busy. And, like, Andy Strickland was, like, the first person who really reported the Chicago Wolves. We're pretty much going to be the Hurricanes AHL affiliate. It was moving that way. Everyone, that one kind of came out of left field, and he was the first one to really report that. So I feel like he has intel um, inside yeah. the organization. So there's got to be some credit to it. And I, I think maybe the Canes are taking calls on players. But again, I think Brendan Warren also is like the type of coach who's like, he likes, doesn't like to change up his team a lot. And since we they've already made like those trade deadline acquisitions with Shea and Trocheck, I mean, I can't see a big move like this, like a guy getting traded out, bringing in a new guy this late to a season. But, you know, who knows? It, I mean, th- there's precedent, though, for the Hurricanes making, like last year, I think it was in September, both that they traded 
Justin yep. Falk and brought in Jake Gardner. Now, in the current landscape, it's going to be hard to move out a guy like Ryan Dezingle or Nino Niederreiter. I think you're going to have you would probably have to give up an asset to do that, especially with a guy like Niederreiter who also has term left. But if you can do it, I think it's something you can explore because you know we've talked about those couple upgrades the Hurricanes could make to really take that next step and bringing in another true top six forward was one of them. And I think Granlund could be that guy. And when you're looking at a guy like Granlund or a Mike Hoffman, who are good players but are still sitting here without a contract, you know, we're now less than a month away from the projected training camp, Hurricanes are still going to have to move salary out. They're not going to get a guy like Granlund for like 800000 but probably could less be had for less than you would have thought. Yeah. At this point. And the other thing that I think recommends a guy like Granlund is he's a guy who's played center and wing. I mean, I think if you look at the Hurricanes depth chart as is, he would probably start on the wing. But having a guy with that kind of versatility could be beneficial, especially in a compressed season like this where you might have some injuries and you might if you know if one of your centers goes down, then you have a guy like Granlund who can slide into the middle. So I think it would be um there certainly would have to jump through some hoops to make it happen. But if they're reasonable sized hoops, then I would probably be willing to do it because I think Michael Granlin would be a great pickup for this team. Yeah. I, how do I put this? If, if I was posed with the option of trading Ryan Dezingle and then signing Mikhail Granlund, uh, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would do it in less than a heartbeat. Um, uh, obviously it's not as easy as just saying that, but if the option presents itself, I just, I see Granlin as a, such a bet, much better fit, uh, for this team, uh, especially compared to Dezingle. Uh, it was an interesting signing of Dezingle in the first place. I, I'm not sure that a lot of people really understood it, um, as to, in, in, just in terms of fit, um, so it would be interesting if they were able to pull something like that off because I see Granlin as a pretty clear upgrade over Dezingle uh, and probably also Nino Niederreiter barring uh, a bounce back season from him in a pretty dramatic way, uh, which is possible. But um, it's it's definitely interesting. And at this point, um, you know, having a guy like Granlin and Hoffman and guys like that still available, it's pretty, pretty amazing because you're seeing big off seasons in the NBA. You know, Russell <laughs> Westbrook gets traded. James Harden might get traded. Uh, John Wall got traded. Um, and a 30 goal scorer is just sitting there without a contract uh, just a couple weeks before things start up. It's kind of crazy, but it's, I guess it's, it's the time that we're living in. It's kind of like baseball's been, even before Corona, the past couple off seasons. it yeah. seems like there's been um, big free agents. I know, I think a couple years ago, the um, I think the Boston Red Sox signed J.D. JD Martinez like right before, right at the start of spring training or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see if, with kind of this new financial landscape, if that's a direction that the NHL is trending, at least for a couple years here. Yeah, I mean, because there's no shot that, guys like Hoffman or Granlin don't play this year. Like they're just too good. And yeah, no. Like it, and if, if push comes to shove and for whatever reason, 
you're looking at Granlund and he's not signing anywhere. I think it would be kind of silly if a team like the Hurricanes didn't explore all their options there. Because you're talking about, like Ryan said, a top six caliber forward with utility. You can play him at multiple offensive positions. And he's been a productive player. He's been a 20-goal scorer in this league. And when you're a team like the Hurricanes, and I think the biggest question for the Hurricanes right now is, where does the scoring come from after your obvious top three? Uh, you think Trocek will bounce back. I think he will. I think Natchez takes a step forward. But outside of them, I mean, you're kind of patchworking it with good players that maybe you can't rely upon offensively. So if the Hurricanes can get a guy like Granlund, who can at the very least increase your chances of finding a fit, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think... I think we've talked about this before, but like you just said, with guys like Trocek and Natchez, I think when you look at the Hurricanes forward group, you feel really, really good to pretty good about five of your top six, which is good. A lot of teams in the NHL would take that. But if you swap out a Niederreiter or Dezingle in the top six for a guy like Greenland, you go from feeling that pretty good feeling about five of them to you've got a rock solid top six that is probably among the best in the league and definitely the best that the Hurricanes have had in a very long time. And and another thing is, with this season coming up, you're talking about the possibility of injuries, of COVID-19 spread. Um, It takes one guy out of that top six out of the lineup for an extended period of time, and then you're like, what what do we do? You know, like, if you lose one big player, and with a 56-game season, it's not like, oh, this player misses 20 games. He'll still play in 60 games, and he'll be a, a very valuable contributor. Um, it's it's definitely a sprint uh, to to the finish, uh, definitely more so than a two-game season. Um, and you're, you know, if you if you lose a big player, um, having a guy like Grandland certainly makes it a lot better uh, you definitely feel better more comfortable with Granlund I think than Dezingle at least I do yeah 100% I do, I do too and the the well the other interesting point you just made is COVID-19 is something we haven't thought about you know the NHL to date has only played in a bubble you know there were no cases of, of COVID-19 or in the playoffs mm-hmm. that is not going to be the case when they return to play playing as normal. I mean, we've seen it in the NFL. We've seen it in college football. College basketball is an unmitigated shit show right now. I mean, yeah, that that is going to be an issue. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a different season. And teams that are prepared for that are going to be the, the ones that are, that are the most successful, uh, I think. So... Um, I think that just about does it for for hockey talk. Uh, we got the return to play. We got talk about Mikhail Granlund. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is up in the air and uh, yet to be finalized. So we'll we'll see how that all. Just happens. touching on touching on this, I don't think yeah. they've mentioned anything with the outdoor game. Right, that hasn't been really decided. Like this, obviously not going to play. Yeah, in I, February, but they really haven't made a decision when it's that. getting moved to. I saw it reported maybe that it's getting pushed back a year, 
but obviously mm-hmm. that that's something that I don't, probably say. I don't think that's been official, but I think you, I mean, I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point Yeah. because you're not going to be able to play. Yeah, of course. A, if you're not, you're not going to want to play that game if you can't have full capacity. Oh, There's no way you're going to be able to have full capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Plus with the divisional alignment, good chance. Cause think about it too. With this divisional alignment, good chance that game was going to be against a team that the Hurricanes are not scheduled to play this year unless it was going to be against Tampa or Nashville. But I think we all kind of assumed Washington was the logical choice. So that's another thing to consider. And I have just checked Twitter, and the Hurricanes have not signed uh, Michael Granlund while we've been talking. So, Uh, Could you imagine if he was? That would be great. Well, as soon as you – when you kind of started saying, like, all right, we're winding down, we've got all the hockey stuff, like, we're all good, I was like, you know, might want to just, like, t- take take a peek just to make sure. That's smart. That is smart. I was taking a peek at, like, free agents still available, and there's a few, like, old friends, like, Sammy Vodnin hasn't been signed by anybody, yeah. Eric Halla hasn't been signed by anybody. Yeah, I think the Halla ship has sailed. I think that's uh... <laughs> I don't think he's coming back, but it's just Hall interesting to see yeah. all the names still available. Yeah. Well, that uh... was enough. There was an NHL.com article. I mean, this was from a while back, but it was something about the Hurricanes also still having interest in Sammy Vatnin, which that one, yeah. too, when you look at their cap space and their um, oh, their guys on defense, and it's like, what? I mean, I guess unless you, like, traded, like, Jake Gardner and got both Vatnin and a Greenland for cheap, but that's the only way I could see that. Yeah, um, if they sign Sammy Vatnin, uh, poor Jake Bean. I mean, really. I mean, come on. Uh, Jake Bean just cannot get in the damn lineup. And if they sign Vatnin, that would just be that'd be very unfortunate for him. Um, okay, so I think I think that just about does it for hockey talk. Uh, we gave you. 26 and a half or about 26 minutes this week uh which is good that's that's increasing uh podcast to podcast pretty much and it might be more than the last two episodes combined probably is <laughs> probably is uh all right this is inevitable we're moving on now to uh star wars uh this is a star wars podcast and so much happened yesterday. We're uh, we're recording on Friday, December eleventh, and Thursday, the tenth. Uh, so much happened. Uh, the Disney investor call, and uh, holy shit! So uh, yeah, there's six hundred new Star Wars projects, uh, <laughs> six hundred new Marvel projects, and they're creating a planet uh, based solely off of Pixar, and they're putting them all on Mars. Uh, I believe is what happened. Sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, we let's 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 talk about it. Uh, we are unashamed in our Star Wars uh, dealings here, and they. So what did they announce? They announced uh, an Ahsoka Tano show. I think that was pretty clear it was going to happen. Uh, Cassian Andor is already announced, but they're on. They're doing it. Obi-Wan with Hayden Christensen reprising his role as Anakin. And Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. Yep, Ewan McGregor. 
Uh, well, they can't exactly cast Alec Guinness, but uh, they can uh, they can do him in CG. Do a just like Princess a, Leia. Do a Tarkin and Tarkin. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, they announced so much. Uh, uh, we got the Bad Batch. The Bad the Bad Batch had already been announced, but I had kind of they, forgotten they about the it. Yeah, the trailer. The trailer. Oh my God! That I mean, it looks. I mean, like. Surprise, surprise, it's a Dave Filoni animated show about clones, so of course it looks incredible, but I mean, man, it it looks incredible. Can I be honest with you? I wasn't very excited for that until I saw the trailer, and I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe, all right. Well, it's cool because, like, from some of the stuff in the trailer, like, like it's going to show us, like, kind of some of, like, the clones' role in, like, the early days of the Empire, yeah. like, right after orders. So I think, like, that is going to be cool to see. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, Rangers of the New Republic. Yes. Which is both that and the Ahsoka show are set during the Mandalorian timeline. And it was announced that, like, those shows are going to, like, come together for, like, a big event, which you already know is just going to be, like, Insanity. epic. What I think we should do is we should, on a scale of 1 to 10, we should rate our excitement for each of these things. <laughs> Good idea. I'm on the Star Wars website. Um, and I'll go from the top down. There's two movies announced. So the Rogue Squadron movie with Patty Jenkins, who's the director of the Wonder Woman franchise and a very proven uh, director. Uh, Rogue Squadron. The story will introduce a new generation of starfighter pilots as they earn their wings and risk their lives in a boundary-pushing high-speed thrill ride and move the saga into the future of the galaxy. And what was interesting was she dropped a video talking about how her dad was in the Air Force and was a pilot, and she was around him, and he died serving the country in that capacity. And how her, her ambition as a director is to make the best uh, pilot movie ever. And there's a deep personal connection there. Scale 1 to 10, how excited are you about it? Hmm. i got to think of what my, what my top is and what to, to so I can gauge everything in relation. Like, is this like a power ranking, or are we just ranking no, everything no, just, on, a, on a scale? Uh, one, one, to, one, one to ten. How excited are you for this? Okay, I'll give this like a seven or eight. I mean, like, it's a Patty Jenkins. Like we've said, is a great director. She's established the Wonder Woman movies are great. Um, that you know, the way that she announced it was really cool. She seems definitely very passionate, and it's you know, sounds like kind of something new exploring. You know, obviously, like, I mean, X-Wing pilots aren't new, but, like, it sounds like we're going to be looking at it in a new way. So, I I mean, I'm excited to kind of see what direction it goes. And it's the, uh, it's the next Star Wars movie to be released. It's in theaters Christmas 2023. I'll give it a six currently. Because oh, yeah. I, I, I just need more. I just need to know more about it. Because right now I just see, like, pilots. I'm like, all right, that's all right. Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably like a seven. Um, I love the the pilot lore and Star Wars. Uh, so, uh, and it's three years away. So, uh, the Taika Waititi film. We're not even gonna go over that one. It was just announced that he has a film. Okay, let's get to the good stuff. Obi Wan Kenobi. Nine. Ten. Are you? Nine? What What are you doing here? Ten. I mean, come on. We're getting Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen on the scene again, screen again together. 
I would have liked, I would have liked, you know, I like the Galactic Republic more than I like the Galactic Empire. Fair, fair. Plus, you think about it, there's some finagling they would have to do to end up, to not end up retconning rebels, but very good chance with an, with an Obi-Wan series that we might see a certain uh, Zabrak dark side um, user. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Darth Maul might. I, I don't know how that it's would. It's just Maul now, but. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, like I would prefer younger Obi-Wan personally. That would give me a 10. But like, you know. Well, what's interesting about it too is I think we're almost certainly going to get uh, <sighs> Liam Neeson. I was going to call him Liam Nelson. Uh, <laughs> oh, Nelson. you're right. Because yeah, that's... I think we're almost certainly going to see Liam Neeson. With him. And... Yeah, like the end, end of Revenge of the yeah. Sith. Yeah. We'll get his like disembodied voice. Yeah, I think I think we're definitely going to see An old friend you must meet. Um, and then obviously... All right, all right 9.5 then. Nine point. Good point. Okay. Right. Good point. Liam, Liam Neeson gives you a half a point. Uh, half a point. I'll say a ten. I, I'm really excited for that. Um, okay, Ahsoka. So this is again during the same time period as the Mandalorian, Rosario Dawson, and uh, is playing, and executive produced by Filoni and Favreau. Ten. I mean, it's Filoni and Favreau, and it's Ahsoka, <laughs> who I think is the best character in the entire Star Wars universe. I thought Rosario Dawson did a great job playing her in The Mandalorian. And when you think about what we're likely to see in terms of we know from The Mandalorian that she is currently hunting one of the best villains in the Star Wars universe, Grand Admiral Thrawn. One of my favorites. We know she is probably still looking to reconnect with Ezra Bridger from Rebels. And if you guys notice... um, the post, the background of like the logo poster that they were revealed to the Ahsoka movie, yeah. is the world between worlds from Rebels, which is a totally new, cool concept that we didn't really get to explore much. So if we get to see that again, I, I am quite looking forward to this one, both just for the Ahsoka herself and for everything else that is more than likely to tie in. Uh, let me explain on this one. Uh, I'm just going to say an eight, mostly because I haven't finished Clone Wars yet, and I haven't watched Rebels yet. Once I watch them, it'll probably be raised up. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, if it's a th- if it's Thrawn and Ezra, then it's a ten. It's an easy ten. Uh, it has to be right. It has to be Thrawn and Ezra. Like at least. I mean, if Thrawn. it's set... well, because yeah, because it's set in the same timeline yeah. as the man, like. The same time period as Mandalorian, and she just straight up said she's hunting Thrawn, so it has to be. It has to be. Unless Uh, she's just really bad at hunting Thrawn and she never finds him, but... Yeah. Um, Yeah. Is this... uh, Am I giving too many 10? I gave the 10 to Obi-Wan. I'm going to give this a 9. It's Star Wars. Give as many 10s. Because I want to be fair. I want to be fair. (laughs) I'm not as excited for Ahsoka as I am for Obi-Wan, I don't think. That's fair. So... Uh, next one, Rangers of the New Republic, set within the timeline of The Mandalorian, the new live-action series from executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni, will intersect with future stories and culminate into a cinematic story, climactic, not cinematic, climactic story event. Wait, which one, which one? Rangers of the New Republic. So presumably this is like a a Cara Dune uh, with that, uh, you know, like... uh, pilot that uh asked her if 
she lost anyone on Alderaan after it got blown up. <laughs> like, yes, dude. I lost some people. <laughs> that was so good. Did you lose anyone? Did you lose anyone when the planet <laughs> got exploded? No, uh, I yeah. had no friends and I hated my family. Yeah. I did yeah. not lose I anyone. Lose anyone. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This is. I'm not really sure what this is going to be. So I'm going to I'm going to say like a six. Yeah, this one was like I was really curious about it. Like Cara Dune was the first person I also thought of when I saw this. And I really like that she's her character's been getting flushed out a lot more Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So I I like her. I'm you know, I'm not I'm not be like, "Oh, yeah." I think like yeah, six, like a 7. Mhm. I think that's fair. Um I'll go with an eight, and here's why. Um, because if you think about, for one thing, we haven't really gotten, like, we know almost nothing about the New Republic other than what we've seen in The Mandalorian and then the fact that it was essentially wiped out in The Force Awakens. And it'll be cool to see um, if we get to see, like, anybody from the original trilogy who might be involved with the formation of the New Republic and just kind of find out more about it. And that climactic event supposedly is joined with the Ahsoka show. So we're going to get to see Ahsoka eventually tie in with this too. So that's what bumps it up to an eight for me. So what you're saying is Thrawn is screwed in the climactic finish. <laughs> yeah, seems like that and, would, that's what would be happening. I mean, yeah. Plus just the idea Pause. of there being any chance whatsoever of ahsoka meeting any like original trilogy characters would just be so awesome like yeah but yes i would not want to be thrown <laughs> you wouldn't want to be thrown getting screwed in the climatic finish i knew, I knew it. <laughs> brett you said it on me i did dog. say it i did say it um <clears throat> So, uh, <laughs> moving on, Lando Calrissian, everyone's favorite scoundrel, Lando Calrissian, will return in a brand new event series for Disney Plus. Justin Simeon, creator of critically acclaimed Dear White People and a huge Star Wars fan, fan is developing the story. Presumably, this is uh, um, uh, Donald Glover. I mean, I don't think they'd do this without Donald Glover, right? He would oh, yeah, he'd be. Almost 8.5 if it's on Glover. I, I've loved his work. I like, liked... Even when he was Childish Gambino. Yeah. Um, <laughs> however many years ago. I I liked Solo. I do. I do too. I don't... I didn't understand. I think it kind of got wrapped up in the sequel uh, debacle. So that's probably didn't help. But sequel's a fun... I mean, not sequel. Uh, uh, Solo's a fun movie. And I Donald Glover is really cool. And he gives off Billy D. Williams vibes. Um, this is interesting. I'll give it a seven and a half, seven point five. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. I'm interested. I loved uh, Donald Glover, Glover as young Lando in Solo, and that Solo timeline with everything that's going on is something I've I've wanted to see explored I would more because I'm to see a dark I'm crimson or crimson dawn show. Because I would that. love to see more Solo. Um, kind of stuff because I liked that movie so I'm looking forward to that and like you just mentioned about Crimson Dawn if we're exploring the solo timeline there is someone else who is at large in the solo timeline who you know might be logical to make an appearance here 
maybe. He, maybe. Over what's what's he more likely to appear in? Obi Wan or uh, Lando? See, my thing with the Obi Wan series is you get the sense when when they finally meet in Rebels and Maul's like, yeah, you know, like when he has the vision with the holocrons and he's like, oh my god, he's alive! Like, you get yeah. the sense that that's the first time that Maul is finding out that Obi Wan survived Order sixty six. So I'm just not really sure it works canon-wise for them to meet post-Order 66 before that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Andor. So this is this has been kind of official for a while, but they're moving forward and putting it into uh, development soon. Uh Nailbinding Spy Thriller, created by Tony Gilroy, is set to arrive in 2022. Diego Luna is back as Cassian Andor from Rogue One. We'll be joined by a cast of uh, many people. I'm not going to read them all out. And production started. So this is a Rogue One callback. I will give this a solid 8. Because I love Rogue One. I think Rogue One is an awesome movie. I think um, Cassian Andor was a great character, a big part of that. I'm interested to see more background from him. And I think, too, with this, you'll get to see more background on, like, the formation of the Rebellion and the early days, or earlier days of the Empire, obviously, because this, spoiler alert, if you don't know where how rogue one ends this movie kind of has to take place pre rogue one um (laughs) you know i mean i don't think cassian has the ability to return as a force ghost so yeah no i'm excited for this this i mean like we've seen his character in rogue one and how everything happens but this is still relatively unexplored territory so you know that's always exciting to kind of see some new stuff I hope it's like a dirtier look at the rebellion, like kind of like a, you know, like they don't necessarily, you know, speaking of this subject, the Mandalorian episode this week kind of talked about, you know, there is no right and wrong. It's what side you're on. And I kind of hope it's that kind of thing, but with the rebellion, like I kind of hope it's kind of like a darker look at, what the rebellion had to do to become a rebellion and become independent. Right. So I, I hope it's something like that. If it's that, then this is a really high score for me too. Right. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with like a 6.57. Like I really like rogue one. Uh, I mean, like, but for me, I was like, I wasn't huge on Andor. I was like, I think it was like a good character, but I wasn't like, Oh man, I need to know more about him. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like indifferent about this one almost. All right, uh, let's do two more. Um, Bad Batch from Clone Wars. Ten. I any like animated clones, Dave Filoni. Like I'm here. It's and it's it's going to be a cool thing of exploring like what the clones are doing and how they're involved in like the early stages in the formation of the Empire because we know at at some point the empire decommissioned the clone army and basically just said, yeah, you're done. You're retired. Go live your lives and all that. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, are we going to get to see just the bad bats? Are we going to maybe get to see like 
Commander Cody, um, the other two commanders that were with Rex and Rebels, are going to kind of get to see how things happen for them because that was kind of something that we an answer we didn't get in Clone Wars. So the, this is something that I'm quite excited for, and it looks like from the trailer that we're going to get to see both Tarkin, always fun to see, and uh, Fennec Shan from the Mandalorian. It looks like is also going to be a part of this series, which. Surprise, surprise, Dave Filoni spreading his characters around, but I, uh, I'm i looking forward to this one. I'm going to give it a 10. I, I've loved clones since I was a child. Like Everything clone-related is like my favorite thing about the Star Wars universe. Um, I'm going to give it a 7. With the, uh, I have the right to increase that uh, at a later date. I don't know. I didn't love the Bad Batch. I didn't love the Bad Batch storyline. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven for now. Uh, but if they explore areas that I find interesting, then I will find it more interesting. <laughs> How about that? Uh, last one, the Acolyte. This is interesting. Uh, Leslie Headland, uh, creator of the series Russian Doll. Uh, it's a mystery thriller that will take place in the High Republic era and will show the audience into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic. That sounds really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah this one sounded... A... You go ahead, Andrew. No, yeah, just, I mean, I think, like, the old, old Republic, High Republic is a time period that we've all kind of wanted to see explored and we're going to get to see it it sounds like explored from a dark side or a sith that's what's interesting perspective yeah i mean like see like kind of the because all we've really gotten in terms of the sith is like you know palpatine well pretty much for literally all nine movies as it turns out it was palpatine running the show from that regard but like getting to see more of like the history and the background of this Sith order and kind of how it came to be and how it was. And maybe, you know, is this before like the rule of two came into effect? Are there more, are there more Siths like this? There's a lot of different directions that this could go. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll give it a nine. I, I'm super excited to see what direction that this is going to go. Oh, this one's a 10 for me, like high Republic era and like following like, potentially like sith follow storyline like that's all just super awesome to me 10 man i really hope it's dark and like it covers a time period that we don't know much about um i mean this could be so much this could be uh this this could be leading into the rise of palpatine this could lead into or this could be about like Darth Plagueis, like there's oh. like it could be so many things. Like it, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna imagine? change my ten. If it's Plagueis, <laughs> then it's a it's a fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. <laughs> like Sith history, like it, this has potential to be the thing I'm most interested in. Obviously, we know next to nothing about it. We know just a very brief description, but this could be so many things that are awesome, like unbelievably awesome like it, it it could be it could be by far uh it, this could very easily turn into what i'm by far most excited about by like a lot 
um, because this is really cool. So, um, yeah. So that was that was all that. Uh, oh, you missed my favorite one though, Brett. Oh, uh, Star Wars Visions. Is that what yes, you're say? Dude. Yeah, this is cool. Animu Star Wars. Yeah, this is gonna be a series of short film anime uh, Star Wars. So, I I don't watch anime. Uh, I have friends that do and love it, and I've talked to a couple of them, and they were like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" Like, how is this? I mean, this is awesome. And when you think about it, Star Wars and anime kind of goes together. You would think. Um. So okay thoughts on that do, do either of y'all have a strong opinion on it first thing i thought of when i heard about this was like that um 2003 clone wars um animated series Mo- movie yeah yeah those like little short movies yeah. those, I, were like, cool. those were like my favorite thing when i was a child like those like, like uh, clone what's, what's cool about this is it's popular japanese anime studios are doing this and they're gonna be like kind of like an anthology kind of like one-off episodes and stuff so i mean it could be really really cool yeah like it could give us so much like great lore and it's like well like an anime style it's like it's just like really a lot of them are just like really pretty and it's just kind of like almost peaceful and, like i feel like it should be like a really rich almost like picture book-esque of just like mm-hmm. looks into like different aspects of the galaxy that's yeah. what i'm excited about for it i've never watched anime before really um i don't think i have but if this this will this will make me watch it absolutely it's not i don't have i don't have a dislike of it i just i've never i just never have watched any um i have friends that love it and they are very excited about this too so i'm a big anime guy awesome yeah i haven't watched i'm with brett i haven't really watched any anime either but i definitely will check this out and i'm i mean i'm excited to like try something new with this and just kind of see where it goes it's different like it's just it's just different yeah like it's cool yeah. um yeah what's funny about anime is like everything i know about it is like it's just it just seems like so much it's just it's so much like there's like eight thousand episodes a season oh yeah it's like there's so much of it it's like oh it's overwhelming yeah. just even looking at it and thinking about it. It depends. Like the most popular stuff, like I think One Piece is like thousands of episodes, and I've like watched oh. six hundred of them. Wow. But yeah, um, like they're short off like twelve episode seasons of stuff. Uh, yeah, you talk talk to you later about it. Okay, right? all right. This is an off podcast discussion. That's fine. Um, <laughs> awesome. Okay, so that was all that. Also, The Mandalorian uh, had like two episodes, three episodes since we last talked. Two episodes. I was just gonna say, there's there's something else Mandalorian wise that we kind of need to talk about. Yeah, I was gonna get to that. Uh, Boba Fett, go ahead. <laughs> Bob, oh, dude, last week. See, the funny part is, like, I went into last week like not expecting much. Like, I knew they were gonna go to Tython, but it was the shortest episode so far, and we were coming off the Ahsoka high from the week before. I was like, all right, this this episode might be kind of a letdown, and then a few minutes in. Didn't hear the ship for coming in to yeah. Tython, and you look, and it is Slave One, the ship of Django and Boba Fett. You see the hooded guy getting out, and then he goes down. He's going down to you know try to find who it is, and you hear Tamara Morrison's voice, and oh, he's he has His the line the of best. like I'm a simple man, yeah, making my way through the galaxy like my father before me, which is very reminiscent of what Django said to Obi Wan. You have the callbacks to Django, um, and oh by the way, 
He's Boba Fett, and he is a certified badass capable of wiping out an entire platoon of stormtroopers with a gaffy stick, which is the, the weapon that the Tusken Raiders used to attack Luke in A New Hope. Not as eff- Just a, not as effectively, a masterfully though, as a crafted, crafted episode. He used that thing. I mean... Jeez. I mean... Yeah. Just, just shards of... Uh, stormtrooper armor going everywhere when he hits them with the, the ball end of that. He's stabbing that people. The, like the stormtrooper that was like slumped over, like his body completely twisted and you saw like the helmet yeah. chunk missing. I was yeah. like, oh my god. Jeez, like, man. And then that was without the armor. Then he gets the armor and it's like, jeez, come on. I mean, he has knee missiles. Like what? <laughs> he... The jetpack just shoots temples of two carriers. Yeah, yeah he, and he said he was aiming for the other one. Uh, that was that was, that was a good. good line, and uh, he maybe my favorite part of all that was when he uh, like when he had his blaster and like he did like a he had it in his right hand he went like right over left like without looking like no look shot hit a stormtrooper that was awesome and also Fennec like three sixty no scoped someone off of a that was that was was wild I was like oh my god. <laughs> She she jumps off, turns around, fires, kills him, and then barrel rolls into running. Like I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that was insanity. And then, um, also, I mean, the seismic charge in this week's episode. Oh yeah, yeah that I was, was like, oh that was a yes. Oh, as soon yeah. as the back of the ship opened, because I, like, oh. I thought he was about to just like kind of spin around and shoot them and then when the back of the ship opened i was like oh my god yeah that's maybe the best sound in all of star wars it's that it's tie fighters um it's they're right up there i mean that's, i mean like seismic charge is amazing the sound of like tamora morrison's voice too it's yeah, like that's because also not only like any voice you know like Django, Fett, but like a battle for the original Star Wars Battlefront and Battlefront mm-hmm. 2. Like, he voiced mm-hmm. all like the Republic infantry. So, like, that voice is like such ingrained in my head. It's like with the good, my good memories of playing that game all the time. That's an iconic voice for me, too. Yeah. Like, the Battlefront 2 and like, like the story mode where he's yeah. like narrating it all over it. Yeah. Narrating. Like, it's, it's his voice is unbelievably good. Like, it's like yeah. iconic for me. Uh, well, the last time we heard his voice in live action, too, was um, Commander Cody, I think, in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah. So You it... have two. Well, you have the... Obviously, he gets captured, too, but you have, like... Obviously, I assume from all that, like, blue, shimmering energy around him, like, Grogu seems to have been successful in, like, reaching yeah. out into the Force for, like, to let Jedi <laughs> hear him, like... Yeah. It would stand to reason, and we might see them in the finale, that, like, a Jedi may have heard him. Um, Had to, right? It was yeah, still, I He mean, was in there for, like, half the episode. Probably. I mean, like, obviously Luke's out there. I really do not think the Mandalorian is going to show Luke. Ezra yeah. Bridger's probably the logical choice, just given all of the Rebels connections that we've seen. I know I've seen some speculation about um, like, it could be like Mace Windu, and he's alive, but I, I kind that's of doubt fun, that. That's but a fun little theory. It, it is fun. I mean, hey, you, you never saw a body, so I mean, like, yeah. it's possible, but oh, if that's bad. I mean, like, there has to have been some, like, for the amount of time he was doing that, like, 
there has to be something coming in terms of a Jedi who heard him. Has to be. I have no idea who it is. I'm le- I I thought it was going to be Ezra, and now I'm not so sure because I'm like, are they going to use Ezra for the Ahsoka right. series, yeah. uh, or is he going to be introduced here and then using? I and they don't know where Thrawn is. Like, are they back from the outer rim? Where's Thrawn? Like, I don't know. I I have no idea because last time we knew Ezra and Thrawn were in the outer rim or in the unknown regions uh, by themselves. I don't know if they got back and then Thrawn got away again, or if they're still initially looking for both of them. Like I, I have no idea. It's, it's craziness. That was also funny as shit. When Yoda was taught our baby Yoda was tossing around the clone troopers with the force. That was great. That was wonderful. That was fun. And then Gideon was like, just let him. And like as then Gideon approaches him, you see like the the stormtrooper hobbled over, just like limping out the door. That was just such good comedy. It reminded me of um, the Force Awakens when um, uh, God, Adam Driver. I can't I can't think of the character name for whatever. Kylo Ren when he's having, like his tent. He's panic fitting, just slash the computers of the stormtroopers, just like put his arm up and then just turn around and leave. Yeah, Mandalorian does comedy really well, like Star Wars comedy really well. Yeah, like Bill Burr was like <laughs> talking the shit with Din, and like Din just kept looking at him. Yeah, yeah. That was such. That was good. That was good dialogue. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of there's there's so much. Uh, how long is this damn thing? Uh, it, we've been recording for an hour. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think we should really just go ahead and stop this now. Uh, we got a little carried away. We went a little too far in a few places. Um, Kane's Understandable. Country, yeah, I mean, so much happened. We're excited. We're nerding out, and we're excited. Um, Kane's Country Podcast, thank you for listening this week. Uh, hockey's ramping up, and that's very, very exciting. Uh, and there's still a lot of unanswered questions. So we will be back, and we will talk about all those. Hopefully we'll get more confirmations here over the next week or so. And we can talk about it on the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, where can the listeners find you, Andrew? You can find me on Twitter and only Twitter at mm-hmm. ASCHNITT53. Of course, only Twitter. They wouldn't. Why would they try to find you anywhere else? Um, Brett tried. If, for those unaware, Brett tried to get me to give out my address on this podcast that was, one that time. Was, that, you know, that's kind of up in the air as to what my intent was. I'm not even sure <laughs> what my intention was. Um, Brian, where can the people find you on Twitter? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at r y n h e n k e l underscore. Yes, they can, and they can find me at Brett Finger on Twitter, at Kane's Country on Twitter to follow the site. Follow, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Review the podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Later.